Welcome to The Long Way Around the Barn, where we discuss many of today's technology adoption and transformation challenges and explore varied ways to get to your desired outcomes. There's usually more than one way to achieve your goals. Sometimes the path is simple. Sometimes the path is long, expensive, complicated, and or painful. In this podcast, we explore options and recommended courses of action to get you to where you're going now. The Long Way Around the Barn is brought to you by Trility Consulting. For those wanting to defend or extend their market share, Trility simplifies, automates, and secures your world, your way. Learn how you can experience reliable delivery results at Trility.io. Welcome to another episode of The Long Way Around the Barn. My guest today is Jeff Huber, the CEO of Home Instead whose mission is to enhance the lives of aging adults and their families. Jeff, good morning. Good morning. It's great to be with you. Thank you. This episode continues my conversation on how technology can improve the lives of our aging population through the use of remote monitoring solutions, using Internet of Things or Connected Things technologies, while also ensuring purposeful, comprehensive privacy and information security practices along the way. So, Jeff, the name of your organization is Home Instead Senior Care, and people can learn more about your organization by visiting www.homeinstead.com. Teach us a little bit about your organization. What are your organization's aspirations? What do you offer folks today? Teach us. Yeah, great. I'm, uh, first, I'm, I'm really pleased to be with you, so thank you for having me. Home Instead Senior Care is the world's leading provider of in-home care for seniors. We were founded right here in Omaha in 1994 by Lori and Paul Hogan out of a very personal need they were experiencing. Uh, Paul's grandmother, Eleanor Manhart, was um, the matriarch of a very, very large family. She had 12 children, 50 to 60 grandchildren, and as many great-grandchildren. She was widowed, uh, living alone in in her apartment. Um, in, in downtown Omaha and was in her late 80s and was in failing health. She couldn't you know, even get out of a chair. She was becoming very frail. And um, so the, the family sort of surmised that Grandma Manhart doesn't, you know, she only has a few more months. And so let's make those the best they can. They made a couple of the decisions. The first one is not going to be any nursing home. Uh, the second was they were going to move her into the home that Paul Hogan grew up in, down at 38th and Cass, his mother's home. And third, they were going to surround her with um, a schedule. They're going to take all these cousins, aunts and uncles, and, and put together a schedule and, and figure out how they could um, be with Grandma Manhart to get her engaged in things that really gave her meaning and purpose, you know, like getting to daily mass or those kinds of things. And what they found, instead of having just a couple of months to live, Grandma Manhart did a remarkable U-turn when she got really plugged back into um, and having having support system around her. And she actually went on to live 11 very fruitful years. And that caused Lori and Paul to just uh, wonder first, what do other families do that don't have 50 first cousins in town and all these resources? Uh, but also they saw the power of socialization, interaction, things like making sure she had three square meals a day, um, 
and how that had a transformative effect on Grandma Manhart's um, life. And so Paul had always wanted to have his uh, own company. He was an entrepreneur at heart. He had, he was working for um, Mary Maids, which was an Omaha-based uh, franchise home cleaning company, where he learned you know franchising. He learned home services. And so put together a business concept and struck out on their own with uh, three young kids and one of the way and being the sole breadwinner, classic uh, American entrepreneurial story. That was 1994. So fast forward to today, um, we're the world's leading provider of home care services. We have about 1,200 franchises operating in 14 countries around the world. We'll provide more than 90 million hours of care to our clients. Today, we'll be in probably 85 or 90,000 homes around the world. Uh, we'll employ more than 100,000 caregivers, uh, you know, this week uh, through our, our network of independently owned franchises. Have a particularly uh, heavy emphasis and expertise in caring for people with Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia and multiple chronic conditions. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about Home Instead in our 26-year history. Yeah, that's outstanding. And all of those things being focused on in-home care or aging in place. Exactly. Um, so, you know, the name implies it's, it's um, home instead of, you know, a nursing home or something. The truth is we can provide care to clients wherever they call home. Um, most of our clients, you know, that is the traditional home that you would think of, but we provide an awful lot of care to to clients who live in a facility of one sort or another. Very good. So you very well know how times have changed through the years and the needs of people and the logistics and complications of home and staff and training and verification of quality of service and all of those things have impacted uh, your business and likely a lot of other people's business to just say, hey, what we did yesterday still works well, but now we need to consider these additional things or different things as well along the way. And even this, uh, this recent uh, pandemic, if you will, has probably, I would guess, impacted in some way, shape, or form some of the decisions that you and your teams have to make in order to take care of people and, and just love them in place. You know, this, this, this podcast that we're working through is really talking about of the technology that continues to be created and adopted and evolved and available um, in the, the home care space and the senior living space, just to people in general, um, we spend a lot of time just talking about what is available, what do you do with it, how does it work, what are the risk exposures, and then what are the decisions that leaders need to make in order to provide the best quality of service using the newest um, sensible technology while also having the right protections in place along the way, specifically around privacy and information security, um, because they're more difficult than just a Saturday afternoon jaunt, um, and they're getting more complex. In the world that you live in, the work that you do, the folks that you work with on your teams, uh, your leadership teams, your, your operational teams, as well as the clients that you serve, do you see technology changing the way home care service providers and workers do their jobs today different than yesterday, or do you see it changing even more drastically in the future? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, first, I would say 
you know, the way we look at the world is at the intersection of three global megatrends. The first is uh, what you talked about, which is aging, right? We're, we're about to undergo the most massive demographic shift in the history of the planet. For the, for the first time, there are more old people in developed countries, at least more old people than young. That'll be true within 10 or 15 years across the board. 85 plus population is the fastest growing segment of the population. Uh, so we're really at the very front edge of a 30-year surge in the oldest of the old. And that's having ripple effects uh, on every system that's been developed. You know, I like to talk about the inversion of the aging pyramid, right? So um, if, you, you know, if you think of the traditional age pyramid where the oldest is at the top and the smallest segment of the population and the youngest is at the bottom, that's literally going through a period of inversion. Hmm. And so every system that we have today has been built for the traditional pyramid, whether it's transportation or uh, retirement systems and um, uh, savings vehicles or education. It's all been built for the, and that's, so that's creating all kinds of pressures on those systems. Right. And the world needs to rethink, every system needs to rethink. So leads to me to the second major global trend, which is, uh, the transformation of the healthcare delivery system. That's where it's going to be felt most acutely. Uh, so not only do we have this massive population, but they're living longer. So uh, the life expectancy is up, you know, more than 25 years since the end of the Second World War. With that brings all, a huge influx in multiple chronic conditions. Um, and so uh, with, there's this big movement uh, and healthcare delivery moving from a fee for service or sort of a volume based model to outcomes. And um, what we know about our types of services is that when we're part of the care equation, our clients' usage of that healthcare system um, go down dramatically, particularly with um, someone who has Alzheimer's or other dementia. And we can care for them uh, at home. Uh, more cost-effectively, better outcomes, and higher quality of life. So I like to say uh, the future of the hospital looks a lot like your living room because the home is really going to be the only scalable place where we're, we're going to be able to care for this massive influx of, of seniors. And then the third, getting into your world, uh, third global megatrend is really the digitalization of everything. You know, um, now that, you know, the Internet's, three decades old and we're seeing the transformation it's having on uh, every business model, radical new business models disrupting old. And those, um, those companies who can lean into those changes and, uh, and adapt uh, are, are the ones that are going to have success in the future. So that's, that's sort of the context in which we're looking at the world and this whole big question uh, that you've posed. And I think it's just with all of that, um, technology absolutely will play a role in helping to solve that. So as we, you know, we talk about we need to expand the capacity of the world to care for seniors. Uh, technology is, it should do just that. It should, it should enable us to expand capacity. Yeah. So the big challenge for us is taking, we, we you know, we're a very high touch organization, very high touch approach. We're in our client's home in the U S at least on average about 25, 26 hours per week. 
Um, okay. and we, we like to say we're barely not analog. You know, we're, we're so high touch. So the challenge for us is to take that footprint that we've spent 25, 26 years developing and retrofit it with some digital enabled tools, giving our caregivers and our, our franchise owners uh, some new tools and, and capabilities to deliver more care, more effective care, uh, do more with less, um, more, prescri- more predictive and prescriptive types of care. So yeah, is technology going to play a role? Absolutely. What that looks like uh, precisely uh, is yet to be told, but we can get more into sort of our experience and learning so far. That makes sense. So you're you're expecting out of those three ideas that you brought up, the three things that you're paying attention to, you're expecting that the technology is not only going to impact um, the operation from the perspective of your company, but it's also going to impact um, how the elders are able to take care of themselves through the years, as well as how they engage with your organization. You didn't say all of those things, but that's an extrapolation that I'm reading, which is it sounded like you're asserting technology is one of the three legs that are going to create change ripples and you'd like to be on, at the head of it. Yeah. So at the intersection of those three, we, we looked at that and said, you know, okay, our traditional business model, given those three global megatrends, we, we need to evolve our model. And um, what remains true for us is the, the delivery of highly personalized care at, at home how we do that going from a, a purely caregiver physical presence in the home at all times needs to evolve. And we need to give our caregivers and their families who provide most of the care, uh, you know, some new tools and capabilities and, and the ability to use data and uh, to provide insights and how we can do all of that better. Do you think the, from your perspective, do you think the home care industry itself the senior uh, industry itself and or your organization from a risk appetite perspective, do you think in general that the adoption of new ideas like new tech is, is the industry like ultra conservative? Is it somewhat moderated? Is it bleeding edge? I mean, how do you see it today versus the future? Well, I think the aging space itself is garnering a lot of attention uh, in in innovation and in, in technology and how we care and keep people uh, safe and secure at home or care for them in different ways. I don't know that I can speak for the entire home care industry. Our experience has been, um, you know, in leading uh, a, a large multinational franchise company that has, you know, uh, an awesome group of franchise owners, but they're also very entrepreneurial. Um, so the, the, I'm confident we're going to be able to solve the technical challenges uh, ahead. The, the big issue that you're really kind of asking about is, is leading a cultural change of a, a large distributed network that we don't, that we have some controls over, but it's franchising. And, and so there's a, a large underlying cultural tr- shift that needs to happen and a, a mentality that needs to be open to doing things differently in new ways around technology. That's a journey we've been on. Um, I think this COVID uh, situation has really opened the minds of our network and, and kind of softened maybe some of the defenses against those things and, and has actually helped us with the adoption of some of the digital tools we've been rolling out. Sure. 
So Jeff, based on the things you're talking about, then entrepreneurs um, obviously are uh, by definition uh, moderated or um, managed risk takers themselves trying to understand how can I provide value? How can I enable a profitable experience all at the same time? Otherwise, they're no longer in business, uh, but they need to offer value, a good value proposition, or nobody's going to come call in anyway. So while um, Home Again is enabling um, basically an oversight or portfolio management or an enterprise view into how to franchise and enable uh, home care, does that then suggest that a lot of these different franchise owners may adopt some of these new ideas at different velocities? And then does that different velocity? I mean, how much autonomy is there and how do you regulate or normalize those things? Yeah, that's, uh, we, could, we could have several podcasts on that topic alone, I think. Um, you know, I, I sort of view the first 25 years of our existence as really establishing this business model, um, bringing it to scale, creating this, this massive footprint that we've developed. Um, we've got a ways to go in the expansion, lots of room there. But in that, we have learned so much from our franchise owners um, and provided enormous amount of autonomy to them to help us learn and create the model. I think we're at a point now where we really understand that and we're, we're part of the cultural shift I talked about is really moving them from running this business however they want I'll put an asterisk there because I'll come back to that, to a more uniform way of doing things, yet more uniform systems uh, and processes that are really going to be essential for us to unlock digital future. We can't have thousands and thousands of iterations of, of how this business operates. Um, the asterisk I want to come back to is while we've provided a, a great level of autonomy, we also have had uh, a very uh, finite uh, set of of standards, but we're extremely serious about them and at the how the business operates at the local level that really all have to do with the, the safety and security of our clients. So we're very uncompromising on those things, yet at the same time, exactly how the business operated was um, a lot of latitude granted at the local level. So again, we're moving from, you know, um, a, a sort of choose your own adventure in terms of systems and tools and processes to a much more uniform, uh, digitally enabled uh, future. And um, that, that's, we've had some you know, challenges in leading people there, but now the network is really starting to get it and embrace it. And part of your question was, uh, you know, we've, it, there's always a bell curve um, with adoption of anything within our system. And so we've got the early adopters and we know who they are. And, and many, of, many of them oftentimes are out ahead of us, frankly, on, on ideas. We don't pretend that we have all the best ideas. We really try to tap into the ingenuity of the local franchise owner who is on the front line solving very real problems. And, and uh, they're incredibly innovative and smart. And so we try to tap into what they're doing, breaking those best ideas and, and then apply our resources and bringing them to scale. But so when we're trying to introduce a major change, we really focus on what we call the ready and the willing, which are the, that front end, help us learn and iterate. And then, then usually there's a big group in the middle that sort of is waiting and seeing. They might have some skepticism, wants to see what the ROI is or how hard this change is going to be or those kinds of things. 
Um, and then usually if we do our job right, they come on board pretty quickly. And there's always a group at the end where we sort of have to get them on board by mandate. Um, so right now we're, we're really sort of moving in our digital transformation, I'd say, from the early adopters to more uh, kind of moving that big middle group on board. We've got a lot of the things figured out, ironed out. We've done a lot of the hard internal work to sort of enable scale. And um, so we're, we're, we've been sort of setting the table for this for years now, and now it's really time to start leaning into it and accelerating that transformation. Is it accurate then for me to summarize some of the things that you just said to say that um, as an enterprise organization, you're working to normalize or streamline some things uh, for a number of reasons, and that can be uh, cost of ownership or general you know, economic considerations. It may also be for regulatory compliance or privacy or confidentiality or you know, those types of ideas as well. But at the same time, you're still wanting to enable autonomy and independence or, you know, independent evolution or thinking at the franchise level. So you're working to uh, continue, which is a continuous job, evolve both, hey, what can be normalized and what should be independent or individual and when. And that's kind of the model that you're evolving on right now. Is that is that a good summary, decent summary? I think that's a, a really great way to sum it, summarize it. And another way to say it is that there's this constant tension between those two things. Yeah. And at different points of your evolution, you're sort of setting the dial either more towards autonomy, more towards structure. Um, uh, so that, that's where we're at. Yeah, that's a, that's a great summation. Okay. That sounds like a, uh, you know, kind of a normal model for larger organizations anyway, where that constant tension of, yes, I want to enable you to do what you need to do. However, um, also I need to make sure that it's, you know, predictable, repeatable, auditable, you know, compliant. Let's be responsible here. We want to be in the newspaper or the media for the right reasons. So let's make the right decisions together. So that makes a lot of sense. And it's hard all of the time, as I'm sure you and your team would communicate. So as it relates to the home care industry, a lot of these new technologies that are coming out, um, there has been technology available for a long time in various iterations. Some of the newer things, for example, companies that are implementing connected things or Internet of Things solutions, for example, a single uh, physical device unit that goes inside one room uh, that doesn't touch anyone but it monitors all behaviors all of the time, collects all of the data, patterns, it finds patterns, it makes decisions, it asserts potential, but it does predictive analytics as well. For example, gate analysis. In order to do to predict a fall, there needs to be data. The data has to be collected across time, which then creates patterns, which then elucidates or reveals a possibility which then alerts people so they can make decisions. And that actually sounds spectacular so that you could know in advance, hey, it looks like uh, mom's having some trouble right now and, and uh, maybe I'm just gonna go hang out with her for a little bit and uh, we'll go see how the day goes together. Um, with that though comes a ridiculous amount of information. So for example, when you're talking about your organization and multiple franchises, multiple countries and, and all kinds of uh, clients, if all of those were operating together and all of that data was being collected just to do predictive analytics on a fall, 
do you think or have you perceived or do you understand um, in your own house or in other organizations how people might be prepared to start collecting more data more often? It's, it is a little bit of a paradigm change between here's what I entered at the end of my shift versus sensors that are collecting data 7 by 24 by 365. Uh, again, you ask really big, uh, thought-provoking uh, questions. I, I think there is absolutely a future where big data, artificial intelligence, analytics is, is going to play a, a very predictive and prescriptive role. And for those of us who are sort of out there looking at the future like that, our minds tend to go right there. And, and in fact, you know, it my mind has been there for a while. Um, I, I, I'm very fortunate to sit at some some tables where they're sort of casting the future for healthcare and those kinds of places. Hmm. The challenge is we got a lot of work to do before I think that can happen, and we have to. We can't put the cart before the horse. And so, um, in, in fact, in our business, we've had to like kind of go back and do a lot of the really nitty gritty unsexy work to lay a foundation that would eventually unlock the kind of future you're talking about. Hmm. I'm, I'm talking about, and this might sound really rudimentary, but remember we're barely not analog, you know, things like single sign on or those kinds of things. I've learned more about those kinds of things than I ever thought possible when, you know, I was wanting us to, you know, have a dashboard that said, Hey, these five clients are at the 95 probability for a fall today. We need to do something about that. So we have to, we have to really start yeah. uh, at the very foundational level. So we've spent the last few years really putting in that the stuff that's doesn't really, isn't real sexy. You don't really talk about it, you know, at, at, conventions to your people uh, it's quietly happening in the background uh, but we're starting to sort of come out of that phase and now we're starting to sort of um, be able to deliver some of those um, more value add things for us um, we'll get there but you know we're, we're really starting more with enabling um, giving our caregivers new tools so they can do their job better, connect with the office better, connect with the family better, um, having some remote capabilities so we can be more efficient with our limited uh, human resources um, so we can get eyes into the home, you know, without having to send a nurse across town to be there and evaluate a situation. We can do that remotely. Uh, a lot of the things that require a lot of time and, and uh, manpower and a lot of friction, we're able to begin to automate um, and, and streamline. So that's really where our immediate focus is. Uh, but we, we do have our eye on that end game of being able to huge, use huge data sets, you know, 90 million hours of care and 85,000 homes and then you get it, that, that's in 25 hours per week. I mean, that should, we should be able to unlock, uh, use very, powerful data sets to be able to provide more predictive, more prescriptive care. Um, it's just, we're not there yet. Yeah, no, that, you know, the idea of digital transformation is actually an interesting and also useless word, like <laughs> saying cloud or quality. Those words mean something different to anybody that you talk to. And so it's, it's difficult to talk about. 
But the idea behind digital transformation is really uh, multiple things. And it's the processes, it's the tools, it's the people, as well as the company as a whole. And so to just pick up a new Internet of Things device and call that digital transformation is actually completely miscommunicating the whole idea. It's how do we take our entire organization and optimize how we get to the desired outcome, which is to enable people to age in place, to love them where they are, to be helpful when they need us and be out of the way when they don't. And that requires us to talk about everything, not just a trip to Home Depot or a trip to Best Buy and buy something really cool and plug it into the network. So it's a lot of work. And so you're talking about a lot of behind the curtain stuff that then nobody wants to talk about that everybody has to do that maybe some people haven't had to do yet. So yeah, there's a lot of work to do, no contest. So when someone like you in a leadership role sees something uh, in a magazine or sees a commercial or an advertisement or an article or whatever it is along the way saying, hey, look at me, I'm technology company 12. I've developed this brand new and amazing device or this new software, or I have this new widget. And then someone like you and your role probably is inundated with 10, 20, 50, or 100 different companies all coming to you with their particular widget. And some companies will assert, we have a comprehensive solution. And some will say, this will fit into your solution. If you take all of that and just say, hey, that's fun, let's put it to the side. In order for you to do what you need to do to love and engage and care for people, what would be, from your perspective, an actual useful way for technology solution providers to come alongside you and work with you and help you solve problems? Well, that's a, that's a good question. And you're right. You know, we are inundated with all kinds of uh, opportunities. And the big challenge for us is, is sorting through those. So, you know, the, the main thing I did, uh, or we did, I should say, when, when trying to solve for this was to really formalize our innovation function. We'd had a lot of innovation. And, you know, like I said, we've got hundreds and hundreds of franchise owners out there solving problems. And so we try to tap, tap into their ingenuity all the time and, and bring the best ideas to scale. Um, and that, that worked great. But when we were thinking about, okay, we, we really need to um, take our footprint and our high-touch approach and give it some digital capabilities, the possibilities for that were endless. And uh, to try to solve that problem, um, I wanted to formalize our innovation function. So we acquired a digital marketing company that we had a lot of experience and trust with and um, kept the digital marketing function alive, but also gave it a charter that said, um, we need you to help us think about what a digitally enabled future looks like. For, for home instead. I wanted it to be outside of our organization because I wanted them to be free of legacy thinking and systems and tools. Um, and so that served, I think, has served us really, really well. Um, we've sort of the, wound down the digital marketing part. We really built up that innovation function. And now that team is part of us 
just on the outside still so they can sort of be free of sort of this is the way we've always done it thinking but they now have a charter and and a process and a, and a way to evaluate all those and they're going after sort of um stop doing activities kinds of innovation that's sort of incremental innovation but this also sort of the, the big um sort of game changer types of innovation that's how we sort of think of it and you know they've got a finite budget and a, a charter to do that and so i sort of let that group take on the challenges or sort through because they got a process so get specifically to your question I, if somebody wanted to come alongside us uh, and and maybe pitch something to us, you know, the best way I think would be to go through our innovation group who has a, a formalized way of evaluating all of that. That's fair. So you have an incoming process to filter and prioritize. That's a really great way to do that. Um, very often do you hear about people saying, if I buy this tool, then dot, dot, dot. Or if we change this part of our business, then dot, dot, dot. And in many cases, um, they may not fully understand what they want it to look like on the other end of that, but they absolutely feel like if they make this change, then whatever change happens is probably going to be good. So it sounds like you guys are on the front end of that. You're saying, hey, we know we need to evolve, but it needs to be on purpose. So let's go do this on purpose. Exactly. They, they've got their charter and, um, you know, where we started is about a two year process. Uh, well, after the acquisition, it took us a couple of years to sort of get the right people and talent in place and sort of the structures in place. And then the, the big charter for them was like, OK, how do we how do we create a digital pipeline into our client's home? We, we knew we wanted to get tools into the client's hands and into um, into the home. Uh, so so. Um, so then we started looking and, and knowing that we're a home care company, we're not a, a tech development company, right? So, um, we sort of tr tried and failed at that a couple of different times. Uh, so knowing that we really, this is going to be about, uh, partnerships and finding. So, um, that process, you know, we evaluated if the, if, if electricity ran through it and it was aimed at the senior space, I think we took a good hard look at just about everything out there. And uh, at some point, you got to, you know, stop evaluating and put in, understand this is a journey. There's no end point. This is just a continual evolution. Um, but, you know, we, we made a, a big uh, move with a company called GrandPad, um, made a strategic investment in, in that organization that, one, uh, had a really, we thought, elegant solution. They took a very, um, with a very mature tech leader, founder. Um, so, so many of these organizations are uh, solutions that come forward, come, come from really bright young minds, but, you know, it, it might really be a tech innovation challenge as opposed to trying to practically solve a solution. So this was a very mature leader solving a very practical solution that or problem that he had found in his own life, figured everyone else is dealing with it too. Um, great value alignment with our organization. Uh, and it's been it's been wonderful, and now we're starting to uh, we've had to make some adaptations to that tool to make it really a, a, a good tool for our caregiver workforce. Um, but also understanding that this is the first 
this is an entry point for us. This is not the end. And, you know, there'll always be something next. And that's why I'm grateful we have that innovation team in place to sort of always be evaluating what the next thing is. The big thing for us is, though, we have to begin getting our organization used to using digital enabled tools and thinking differently about how they provide care. Because the current model of one carrier for one client as to, to going back to this global mega trends isn't going to be scalable in the future. We have to create scale and uh, increase capacity. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So Jeff, last question, and this has been outstanding so far. Thank you. Um, what we've seen in many industries is a shift to now include on purpose, amplified and communicated uh, the role of chief information security officers or some senior leadership role whose job is to enable um, and ensure uh, regulatory compliance um, ideas, um, information security ideas, privacy and confidentiality in particular. Um, as the industry has changed, and even as your own organization has changed, um, how do you see the role, the public role, the amplified role of information security and privacy changing from yesterday to today and to tomorrow, if you will? Yeah, well, you, again, you're asking really big questions. And that one, you know, we could go down a, a number of different paths with culturally speaking, just um, as we're all wrestling with you know, our individual rights and privacy and security of our information in this new world. But yeah, part of the, the nitty gritty sort of unsexy work I referenced earlier had to do with creating, you know, uh, a data governance uh, program and um, understanding how we were going to collect, normalize, store, secure, um, and then finally analyze and, and use appropriately um, this, you know, various data that we're anticipating collecting. And then, you know, m multiply that against operations in many, many different countries, all with different security acts. And so it's been a huge focus for us. And, um, you know, our regulatory and compliance group here, part of our legal team has grown significantly. We've made big investments in bringing on personnel who can understand and, and help keep us safe and get the appropriate certifications uh, in that area so that, you know, we, we are safe and secure. We're using uh, information uh, securely, um, not invading anyone's privacy or overstepping there because that's, you know, we're, trust is so important uh, to us having a philosophy that, you know, this is really going to be all about enhancing care and providing more personalized services. We're not looking to sell this data or use it in some sort of commercial. We're not looking to monetize it in any way. We just, we just want to do a better job of what we're doing. Um, so that's a bit about, you know, we had to sort of get right in our own minds about this philosophy and an approach and then, uh, make big investments in all of those different pieces I just referenced, including um, making sure we, we have people who understand that world really well and, and can keep us in track. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for everybody, uh, not just you. Whether you have country by uh, country governance, you also have state by state governance, and then you have industry governance on top of that. Um, it's a lot of work, and it has to be done on purpose. 
it's enormously complex. I think the most important thing is you you have a, a really a philosophy and approach. So many people sort of get big eyes um, and see dollar signs when they think about monetizing data. That's not at all been our approach. We um, so we had to you know get aligned philosophically on on all of that and then put those pieces in place. Um, yeah, and and it'll it'll be never ending. And one one of the internal challenges is sort of getting, you know, we've been a care company. We we support franchise owners uh, in providing care. Who you know, these are people who you know recruit clients, recruit and train caregivers, and pair them up. You know, uh, in a very high high touch way. So getting internally uh, an understanding about hey, what the future lies. Uh, you know, we have to continue to evolve our business model, which in, involves investments in these things that maybe our our frontline folks didn't quite get. Like, why are we hiring all these lawyers and what's all this data stuff about? So it's been a huge uh, internal education. Not only, you know, I've had to learn a lot. Our whole team's had to learn a lot. We brought in a lot of talent to help guide us there. We brought in some outside uh, resources to help guide us there and then internally. And I, what's really exciting about that is it, it's, it's been frustrating at times. It's been a learning curve for everyone. But I think we're all starting to get it now. And um, where I feel like we're starting to reach a tipping point uh, within our network. Um, so that's, um, that's, that's been a really rewarding journey. And I know we're going to have other setbacks and you know, other frustration points along the way, but I think we're, we're now aligned as a, as an organization. So that's, that's been a very gratifying experience. That's great. I mean, the net of the whole conversation that you've communicated is we've had a great journey and we want to continue having a great journey. And that means we never get to rest. I preach that constantly. Like uh, we're we're constantly having to evolve, and so the key competency, you know, for a good Homestead team member is the ability to adapt and change, and look at that not as a threat, but as an opportunity uh, to to grow and evolve. And so I think we've got our collective mindset right there. Very good. Well, Jeff, this has been outstanding. Thank you for taking the time to meet with us to teach us about your organization. Um, about the journey that you've been on and where you guys intend to head and are heading. And uh, man, we look forward to paying attention and seeing where you go and learning from you again and look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. Yeah, well, I appreciate the opportunity. The Long Way Around the Barn is brought to you by Trility Consulting, where Matthew serves as the CEO and president. If you need to find a more simple, reliable path to achieve your desired outcomes, visit Trility.io. To my listeners, thank you for staying with us. I hope you're able to take what you heard today and apply it in your context so that you're able to realize the predictable, repeatable outcomes you desire for you, your teams, company, and clients. Thank you. Thank you.